Filmmaker Commentary, episode 93. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we give you insights from our favorite filmmaking commentaries. These commentaries can be heard on your DVD and Blu-rays of your favorite movies. We'll show you how you can use these commentaries and apply them to improve your video production and filmmaking techniques. All of this here on Filmmaker Commentary. I'm your host, Reginald Titus Jr. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with... Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about Natural Born Killers. 1994, the director's cut, directed by Oliver Stone, story by Quentin Tarantino, screenplay by, written by Oliver Stone, David Vilas, Richard Rotowski. Oliver Stone went on to win the Venice Film Festival for the Grand Special Jury Prize. For budget, what do we have? $36 million for the box office. And then at the excuse me, thirty six uh, million for the budget. There you go. Um, for the box office, they seventy uh, worldwide exceeded seventy million bucks. And then there was over twenty million in rentals. The first time I saw this may have been via rental, possibly yeah. may have may have been a, a blockbuster thing. Yeah, I was late to the party on this one. <laughs> I saw this at least. I wasn't. I want to say I was in high school when I saw it. Oh but wow! Yeah, because it would have come out my my freshman year. But for whatever reason, coming back to it, I thought I thought it I thought it came I thought it came out closer to like my senior year. But no, this is ninety four. This is again like freshman year of high school. But Memories. the the windows between obviously theaters and then re- release was a little bit longer. That's right. Because it, it could almost be a year later at a dollar theater. You know. That's true. Yeah. Very, very true. I used to do dollar theaters all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, but I'm positive I watched this, I believe, while I was I was still in high school. Uh, mm-hmm. My family were big on just watching movies and all kinds of stuff. So, I'm positive I saw this while in high school. Pretty violent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. The critically, This was critically received, kind of with mixed reviews. Violent in the media were, it's, uh, yeah, they weren't fans. If you're trying to win the critics over, violence is not the way. Well, a certain kind of violence is is not the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously we see movies about slavery and things of that nature and at times. <laughs> well, okay, let's that, go back that, to the 90s. That, let's go back to times. the 90s. Back to the 90s. Around that time. Pulp Fiction? They got on Quentin Tarantino a lot about his violence. But it still got nominated, though, for at least Academy Awards, things mm-hmm. of things like that. From critics. From the critics, not his peers. Yeah. From the critics, they were just—he always gets bashed for that every I'm time. Sure. Yeah, yeah. to the that. point to where he has like a defense mechanism. Like he—he'll stop a—he'll stop an interview. He's like, I, "We're not here to talk about this." What about Saving Private Ryan? What about? Because um, I think too, because like war movies. Like when it comes because um, Oliver Stone did Platoon, right? Yeah. Um, when you're shooting real, you're trying to reenact real violence into one thing. But when it's like overly graphic, gratuitous, and cartoonish, that's when the critics have a problem with it. Tarantino stuff is like that. And this was like that on purpose, of course. Right. But um, I don't know. I can't. I'm trying to go back to the stuff in the 90s. Fight Club, they kind of had an issue with it. Forrest Gump, even though that's showing elements of war mm-hmm. with Lieutenant Diane. Lieutenant Diane. Yeah, it was, it was kind of like more grounded in, even though it was a fantasy it was kind of grounded in reality ish wasn't too over the top I guess Mm-mm. yeah interesting but um, 
but yeah mixed reviews oh yeah they yeah Something not happy. let me they and a lot of the special features they they talk quite a bit about um about the media's reaction to to the film and but also at the same time that this was also you know oliver stone's kind of his backlash against against the media and their their embracing of violence so this is weird hey i got an issue with you Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, we got an issue with your movie. Art imitates life, imitates life, imitates art. Before we talk further about Natural Born Killer 1994, Natural Born Killers in 1994, the director's cut, uh, let's talk about news and movies watched. Okay, so for news, according to Deadline, uh, there will be a Black Wall Street documentary that is now officially in the works. Um by LeBron James and Maverick Carter's Spring Hill Entertainment Production Company. Uh, as of the recording of this podcast, it's June 1st, and it's also the uh, the 99th anniversary of the um, the Black Wall Street Massacre that took mm-hmm. place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For those of you who are not familiar with the incident, you can look it up online, but it's also depicted... Um, and one of the first times, as far as in a mainstream capacity, on uh, HBO's Watchmen mm-hmm. uh, series that came out earlier this year, which we've seen and, and raved about quite quite a bit. Oh yeah, um, highly recommend it. But um, and I would also say, uh, uh, boy, uh, Boyce Watkins, he was part of a documentary depicting uh, Black Wall Street as well. Okay, it's more like independent underground. So you know, hopefully, I'm pretty sure LeBron them did the research because there's documentaries already out about it. So I wonder what their approach would be. Oh, yeah. And they've got a, a director already tapped, uh, Salima Karoma of uh, Black Rap fame. And uh, she actually had posted on her Twitter account. And she's very uh, excited to be involved in, in the project. Mm. So that is something that is on the on the horizon. So definitely looking forward to checking that out. And good on uh, LeBron and Maverick for tackling such an important subject matter. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, again, I only learned about it. Is Maverick? Is that Michael Finley's company? Uh, no, Maverick Carter. That's that's the, that's his buddy. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his, that's 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 one of his uh, one of his boys. Uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> sound good. Watch your rap name, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm Maverick. Oh, yeah, oh, Maverick Carter. It's a cool name. It is. It sounds right? like a company. That's what yeah, I was like. Is that a company? F- fair. That's fair enough. And you said Michael Finley. I'm like, okay. Yeah, he was because Michael Finley has a he has a uh, I just forgot what the name of his production company. He has one in Santa Monica. Really? Yeah. Huh. Didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Maverick. Yeah. Maverick. He's like. <laughs> I just forgot what his company name was. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. But no, Maverick's there on the the episodes of the Barbershop. It's like him and LeBron there in the in the mix. But yeah, Spring Hill Entertainment, Hollywood, Hollywood. But yeah, that's all I had for okay news and movies watch. But obviously. In the news, there are things going down again. As the recording of this podcast, oh, yeah. June first, you already know. Yeah. So, um, for those who are taking the time to to listen to us here at a filmmaker commentary, again, as always, we we appreciate you. We hope you are staying safe, but we also hope you are staying woke. There you go, riot edition. We we were doing the pandemic <laughs> edition. <laughs> this is the riot edition of filmmaker. riot edition. Yeah, that's crazy. Going from pandemic to where we at? Right and now. so, if you're listening to this after the fact, right? 
we we had already like chosen just based on the pandemic and being inside we were already on a track of of movies and we we usually select our films like we try to do it like two weeks in advance right. so we had already chosen this film natural born killers to and, go with uh, our theme of fleeing couples or exactly on the run you yeah. know and then we've got all this that just breaks out this week and we're like oh and so we but we still had already selected the film and still you know sat down to watching <laughs> we're like oh dang this is heavy but we're we're pushing through because yeah. you know we we take this and analyze it and, and give thoughts and and there are always things that we can pull from it and things that you know we can apply and, and examine right that's one of the great things about film is that you know it's art imitating life and sometimes life imitating art and yeah. we can see things through different perspectives and kind of what we need some right, mm-hmm. right now so yeah indeed uh, what about movies watched what did you watch uh, I checked out a couple of things this week so uh, I've been watching some Money Heist yes I'm a, um, episode 7 I want to oh, say not bad yeah episode 7 of part 1 yeah Continuing you know, to work my way through, and there's some, some some fascinating revelations that happen here and there, and there's some definite craziness within the group dynamics. Who's um, anybody that's listening right now? I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil a little bit of it, so yeah. you might want to fast forward like five minutes. Not spoil endings, sure, but the episode that you're in. So, hey, uh, what, what's going on in the episode that you're currently in? So, in the episode that I'm currently in, uh, the 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 group has just okay. So the group has just found out that the lady that they thought was dead, that they that Berlin had oh, sent... Monica. Yeah, Monica to be killed. They just found out that she's actually still alive. Okay. And the Berlin just found out that the professor's retaliation against him when he said that he needed to be punished, that mm-hmm. the button that he had planted on the car that was supposed to be destroyed... Uh, that the police got, and then the police actually decided to leak extra information out about Berlin and make yeah. up all kinds of stuff. All that uh, has come out, and and so now the professor has just he has just learned that Monica is alive, and so <laughs> after you blew up the spot, yeah, <laughs> after you, yeah, you know, and he was like, you know, I you know, I, I I appreciate your yada yada yada, but this is you know, we're going to move to whatever you call the next phase. And that's like kind of where the episode ends. So they're going to set to go into this next phase of things. But um, the main police lieutenant, I don't know, I forget what her position is. Mm-hmm. She is, you know, her daughter has just been asked by her, her ex to go and live with her. Oh, yeah. Um, Daughter's a brat, too. Oh yeah, I, 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 sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. I, I got I got a little I got, I got a little glimpse of that when she was saying I I do want to go live with them. And yeah. She, and then she kind of bribes her to with ice cream or whatever, going to go somewhere. And can we get ice? Cream? Can we get this too? Like you greedy little kid. <laughs> you want to abandon your mom? You want to take advantage? You greedy little child. Why they're on the ropes? Right. The kids are vicious. Oh man, no mercy. <laughs> Finish her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but um. But yeah, man, it's 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 getting more and more intriguing. And uh, I was talking with my mom because my mom's watching this also, and so we're kind of you know kind of comparing notes. And she she digs the the melodrama that's involved with it. Yes, and, indeed. And says, you know, she's okay. So you just wait; it's gonna get good. And I'm like, because he's like she's like on the second part. She's on part okay. two, and she's like trucking through. Yeah. 
And uh, is she watching it uh, in English or in Spanish? Yeah, yeah, she's watching it in English. I'm watching. I, I switched over to English too. Again, I just like. I'm, I'm, oh I'm come like, on! Like, hey, I'm come like, on. I got, I got things I'm doing over here. <laughs> I was talking to uh, David, who's a listener, and and recommended this show, and he was like, um, he said, I didn't know this. He, his daughter was watching it, and she was watching it in Spanish, mm-hmm. and she said it's taking me a little bit longer because I'm watching Spanish. He's like, what? Because he, because he said I'm doing like different stuff. Like I might be on a computer and I hear in the background. Yeah. And so he didn't realize that it was actually in Spanish to like maybe the third episode because it was like that good as far as like how they were able to. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And I and I switched it over. I said, man, there's there's subtleties in it that may not translate well. You know, for me, like far as their acting, there's a there's a couple scenes where I, I went and I just went back just to check it out, mm-hmm. especially with uh, the lady that plays Tokyo. Is like when you compare how she acts, there's like little subtleties in how she delivers a line that it's nuanced. So you can't really get that in the translation. Right. Understandable. I mean, heck, even the name of the show, we call it Money Heist. But like every time the credits come up, I'm like, this this show is called House of Paper. (laughs) How do we how do we get Money Heist? I don't know. House of Paper. Yeah. We got a show called House, house of, of Cards. cards. House We've got of House of Lies. Yeah. I'm like, what's one more house? You know? <laughs> <laughs> what's the big deal? When did house go out of style? Yeah. But, um it's Kevin Spacey when he Oh, well damn. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Point taken. <laughs> so did nobody want to watch the rest hmm. of that show after that? Pivot. Yeah. Money heist. We call it money heist. Yeah, yeah. Ideas, people, I need ideas. Yeah, and it was Netflix, so you know they just yeah they're like no, we're saying anything with a house, it's yeah. cursed. Let's just uh, <laughs> we need ideas. I so bet there was like a like an actual conscious decision to do that. That's a, that's that's totally valid, man. <laughs> yeah, totally valid. Yeah, hmm. We need a new name. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could be there to hear that one, man. Yeah, but yeah, so I yeah. Tokyo, I've got my eye on Tokyo. I don't, I don't, I don't trust Tokyo yeah. at all. She's the wild, she's the wild card. I don't right. like, the, I don't like the wild card because like she's, she's in danger. Her and Berlin both, like they're, they're the off kilter. I mean, most of the team, honestly, most of the team, they, they feel like mm-hmm. they're just in danger of screwing up the whole thing. Um, they're all misfits. That's why they're together. Yeah, yeah. Which again, you want to pull this thing off, you got to have people who are willing to take risks, right? <laughs> for, for some reason. Yeah. And and people have their faults for different reasons, but that all help also helps create the the drama. Uh, I like the professor. Like he's he's sharp, but he's like you know willing to push and go through. And you can tell everybody's being pushed to grow in different ways as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the one who prints the money. What's her? I always forget her. her Nairobi. Name. Yeah, Nairobi. Yeah. Uh, she's Helithki. <laughs> she's, got boom, a, boom. she's got a complexity to her and there is definitely when I'm watching you know the fact that the mouth flaps don't match up with certain, yeah. when they're saying certain things and I can tell them like oh you know and I've gotten used to the actual actor's voice now mm-hmm. so like you know you just dial in you know you just dial it in yeah I got things I'm doing I don't get like, yeah, I, thought, I, thought, I thought I could give my full attention like that but I'm like nah I'm not I'm not willing to do it I'm not willing to give my <laughs> full that's, attention that's actually like that. interesting you know considering you know that's just us as Americans you know it's just I think yeah, I think it is. It's like I didn't I didn't know we would um it's interesting to see like our like David's point of view in regards to how we digest our content. It's like mm-hmm. I have to be doing something else while. You know what I mean? Like I got some things I do where I'll I'll watch and and fully engage, but this is this is a lot. Now if it was like just a movie? Yeah. Big no deal. big deal. No biggie. But a whole series, I'm like, no, nah, I got I got there are yeah, there are if I'm committing to this, I I got things that I 
potentially want to kind of dabble with, but with with something like that, another another language, and I and I have to absolutely watch all the subtitles for that period of time. That's that. That's a totally different kind of commitment. It is. And again, I'm just one dude at my spot. Like I got, so I got things that I got to do. I got things I'm I, doing. I got things I got. I got nobody else is five gonna, other people. This nobody else is gonna <laughs> do it but me. Yeah. So I can't I can't defer nothing. So I'm like, ah, money heist, I got you. But so again, I started with an español tan bueno, pero I had to switch it up. I'm like, let me let me go with this English. So, but it wasn't that much of a uh, like noticeable difference. Oh uh, no! Again, there's definitely a, yeah, uh-huh. there's definitely a difference. Um, again, when I'm watching the mouse, the mouth flaps, it, it can't, it doesn't match up. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. That yeah. yeah, that is a technical thing. Uh, yeah, I'm like yeah. I, but, I, I wonder uh, if that would be like worse. Does it bother you that it's not matching up? A little, uh, it's noticeable, you know. It's mm-hmm. just it's it's noticeable enough where you know it's you absolutely one hundred percent know that it's dubbed. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a noticeable thing. Bother? I wouldn't say it bothers me. It's just I just notice it. Yeah. But I see. But I also, to some degree, also makes me notice like the nuance in the in, in the performance. I really like look at the nuances of the performances. Yeah. The, so. the biggest one is like uh, I was talking to David. I was just like, "What about uh, Denver has laughed?" Because that's something that actor came up with. Ah. And, and I said, "I wonder how the American guy, you know, laughed or not." And it's I very specific. It. Yeah, it, it he developed that because it was written a certain way. Um, that's something you don't have to dub over, though. You huh? could, you could just let that that laugh come through. So I wonder if they no the the actor. I, I wouldn't play replay it because I wanted to know for myself. I said, uh-huh. "Let me run this back and see." Yeah, the the actor had to, you know, they had to do the laugh, but it, it's not the same. It's not. It doesn't make you laugh the same way, you know what I'm saying? When when he does a laugh, and it's because sometimes it's like a nervous laugh that comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also kind of annoying too, but it's almost like trying to replicate like an Eddie Murphy laugh, you know? What I mean, it does. It, mm-hmm. You're not gonna be able to do that. Fair, uh, enough, fair enough. So yeah, he was like, no, nah, I don't know. So yeah, so that one, and then uh, what's the manager? Uh, Arturito, uh, Arthur, Arturo. Arturo, don't they say Arturito? Yeah, that's like that's like commenting on his on his height. So, right? little, what like, do little, they call like Little Arthur? What do they call him in the English version? Since this, do they say Little Arthur in the English when you switch it over to American English? No, they're still gonna they're, they're, they're still no they're they're still gonna use that kind of term, I guess, with him. Um, I don't know. I as far as I can remember, <laughs> because it's like uh, yeah, yeah. Because they like messing with him by calling him Arturito. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know what they calling him. They are might they, still be calling him that. Are they saying little author or no, no? I mean like Arturito. They, I think something's have like a little bit of an accent to them, if I'm not uh-huh. mistaken, um, within the context of the show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I have to listen closer to see like a, a difference in, in in what they're calling him. But yeah, but so far I'm, I'm enjoying. So far, so good. Yeah, so okay. far I'm 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 enjoying it. Um, I'm waiting for something to, to turn a really kind of like the big turn, you know, because I feel something big that's coming. It's gonna like really just like oh. So, you just but, wait. It's, but so far, so far it's 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 good. It's entertaining. Yeah, it has my it has my attention. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so watch that. I also uh, finished Transformers the G one stuff. Wrap that up. I watched Creed two Ooh, again. I've never watched it at all. Have you seen the first Creed yet? Of course. Okay. All right. I think I might have cried in that one. Oh, man. That dude. one's kind of, that got you, that's got some real feelings. Dude, Especially bro. with the music and the, I'm like, ah, dude, the, the Creed, boys. Go ahead. Creed 2 right now, it's a good time to watch Creed 2. Really? Yeah. Huh. Good time to watch Creed 2. Huh. Like, like again, I don't know what, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it Creed 2 will get you amped. Creed oh. 2 will get you. Okay. Man. Where's it uh, streaming on? Prime. Well. Yes, sir. Don't mind if I do? Yes. That's why I was like, I was like, it's time, yeah, yeah. So I watched. I think I watched that Saturday. 
And uh, I remember I, I watched it originally in the theater. And I remember coming out of the theater, I was like, yeah, yeah. I was just, <laughs> just something about it. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, you haven't really seen the Rocky movies, have you? Yeah, I've so, seen. Uh, no, I take that back. <laughs> I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> a quick, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. No. <laughs> nah, because like I've read about like the first Rocky, you know, like reading about that, the screenplay, just like the behind the scenes and knowing how it was developed. Sure. I know but, you've seen Rocky Four because we watched that. Without a doubt. And that's, that's part of my, just in my, yeah, you know. Rocky Four. Yeah. That one's a classic. It um, is. It is. Have you seen, but you, have you seen three with Mr. T? No, just clips. Oh, you got to see three, man. I think I'm gonna have to start. I'm gonna have to watch them all. It's worth it, just to just the different stuff because like him kind of overcoming and then being the playboy, you know, slimmer, more Hollywood style, Rocky. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is really what three kind of touches on. That's mm -hmm. why. That's why the song "Eye of the Tiger." That's why it carries the 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 lyrics make total sense once you uh, once you've seen Rocky three. And what, uh, which uh, Rocky is it when he's like driving that nice car, man? And you know when he's driving, it's like he just like all the memories. That's four. That's four. Yeah, that one was dope. Yeah, right, that was dope. There's no easy way out. <laughs> There's no shortcut. Oh, so this weekend I was I was was wanting to work out, and I was like just grabbing soundtrack songs from the '80s. I went and pulled some Terminator, pulled some Conan, pulled the RoboCop theme, yeah, and then just Rocky Four popped up, and I'm like, oh man, like that, like that Vince Vince <laughs> Diacola, no his yeah. original cuts, and then all like this the the '80s rock songs that are in there, just pulling them, pulling them. So yeah, yeah, uh, Rocky Four sounds like one of my favorite soundtracks all the time. So like when uh, in Creed One when he's in Philly running in the street with the bikes it's like dun, 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 dun. but it's like the hip hop remix yeah, version remix it. I was like, it's oh. nice then you got Donald Glover singing over it so I'm like ooh this that, has got soul that soundtrack is for first Creed that soundtrack is like, nice oh. then like yeah. the, I'm like oh man this, I'm, I'm telling you it yeah. touches your soul Creed, Creed 2 Creed 2 feel it, it, you know because they're you know, obviously pulling the themes and tropes from the other Rocky movies yep. so Creed 2 feels like it takes <laughs> it's got stuff from two, three, and four. Okay, all rolled into Creed two. It's so it's very fascinating. Okay, but uh, compared to one, is it a good follow up? Is it? <sighs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched it again. You know okay. what I'm saying? Like okay, okay. I, again, I, I I enjoyed it in the theater, <laughs> and when I saw it was on Prime, I'm like, oh, I was looking forward to watch. I was excited to watch it again. Good. Okay, and I watched it again, and it, and it didn't disappoint. I was like. Yes, I, 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 yeah, I, I might like Creed two better than Creed than the first Creed. Okay, I think I, I think I can I can safely say that I, I yeah I really like Creed two. Okay, That's and I don't, good. Think, I don't think enough people are talking about it, so I'm talking about it. Talk about Creed two it. on Prime. Check it out. Yeah, there was a lot of build up in pro in marketing, you know, with that film mm -hmm. when it came out. Yeah, it's yeah yeah, it's, especially since you've seen Rocky four. Mm -hmm. The main one you've seen, then definitely Creed two will. Again, plays plays well. Yeah, because that yeah that follows it directly, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. So check that out. Um, then I on Sunday. Sometimes I, I kind of you know just watch something like random. And on Netflix, there's this uh, documentary called "Have a Good Trip: Adventures in Psychedelics." Oh, <laughs> yeah. Can get some shrooms going, and <laughs> so that's what this whole, this whole documentary is about. It came out in 2020. Yeah. And, oh, okay. And it's just it's just a bunch of like people in Hollywood, mm -hmm. actors, comedians, um have a nice trip. That's perfect. And they're and they're talking about psychedelics. It's kinda hosted by Nick Offerman, mm -hmm. the actor comedian, and it's just different people just talking about 
LSD, Damn. mushrooms, and like their experiences with them. Some are talking about it from perspective of how they, the first time they used it or how they actively use it. Others are talking about using it once and like having a bad trip oh, and God. never wanting to use it again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, crazy. But they're being very honest about it. And then yeah. at the same time, there's like this, this kind of beeline running through with, oh, what's my man's name from Parks and Rec? I can't think of the guy's name. Um, I think his name is Ben something. It's Ben. Yeah, Ben has been something. But he's kind of like doing a parody. And it's even mm-hmm. shot like with, you know, like a, I don't know, it's like an 8 millimeter or 35 millimeter. Oh, dear God. Like an like after school special. Okay. And he's there kind of giving you the, the after school special <laughs> don't do drugs lecture. And they, and they got some kind of skits in between. And, right. they, and they're kind of playing up on the whole kind of anti-drug propaganda thing that they would mm-hmm. always, you know, do and show. But here's the thing, you know, came out 2020, mm-hmm. but this thing had, they were working on this thing three, four years. Okay. It had at least be three or four years because Carrie Fisher, oh. the late Carrie Fisher wow, is in it. Wow, The late, oh man, what's his name? Uh, Andrew Bordeaux? Anthony Bourdain? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. The late Anthony Bourdain. The chef, yeah. Yeah. He's in it. Yeah, he's a drug. Yeah. And he, he's talking about his, his. He's talking about. He talks about the very first. Like he talks about an adventure that he had. You know, with with it when he was really really young. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the uh, Adam, one of the Beastie Boys, Adam something, who I believe also is the, is really? the Beastie Boy that passed away. Wow, I didn't even. I don't want to get that wrong, but one of the I mean, one of the Beastie Boys, he mm-hmm. and his wife, they're both in it. And they wow. talk about it. Uh, dude, multiple comedians. Uh, ASAP Rocky. Okay. He's Hip-hop. in it. He, 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 yeah, he's like the only black guy. <laughs> like the only <laughs> brother. Only brother in there. He talks about like doing it like one time and then like having, what <laughs> he's doing one time having sex and like, and he says, you know, it's not for, it's not for everybody. You know, I'll tell you that now, you know, it's not for everybody. Um, Rosie Perez talks about <laughs> like, she she was at a club where they didn't serve alcohol and she didn't do drugs. Like she was very like they used to go to, to dance like that I and mean, having some punch and then and somebody puts up a minute and then all of a sudden like she started like tripping hardcore and she tells her story. Dang. It was it was it was something. And they talk about, you know, not you know, you don't you don't force people to have experiences, you know, but but yeah, it's very, very fascinating. But at the same time it, it I'm like, man, all these you know, predominantly white people talking about their drug experiences with L S D and none talking about going to jail or getting arrested right. for it. And it's just like, man, you know, how many people have been arrested for weed and doing heavy time? So that aspect was very fascinating to me. I, that, that, mm-hmm. I couldn't help but think about that. But it's a very interesting documentary. Yeah. Again, I don't personally, you know, I've never done any, you know, drugs or anything like that. No judgment here. But I'm just saying my reality. But I, but I, I find documentaries about drugs very interesting. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I ended up watching it and it was very fascinating. And I think that... Having just honest conversations about it and being real about it, and let people decide what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So at the end, you know, they, they talked about the medicinal research that was being done in the early '60s before they kind of shut shut it down. But then now, recently, laws have opened up so they can begin to study it more to try and help people with with different mm-hmm. issues. Um, so yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it's on Netflix. It's a very interesting documentary. Enjoy your trip. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it was called Have a Good Trip. Have a Good trip. Adventures in Psychedelics. Wow. Try to be high when you do it. Just pop a mushroom and... <laughs> do they, uh, in the, I'm wondering in the documentary, do they have like little weird transitions to kind of trip out people that may be tripping while they're watching it? 
I'm sure. I'm sure if you watched. I'm sure if you. If I'm sure if you. Yes. I'm sure if you watched it while you were, I guess, high, you would get something out of it. Because yeah, yeah, visually, it's it's very. Yeah, it does different things visually like the here and there. Looking. There's some of that, and then they, they also talk about one of the people talk about how in movies they they never. He said they never quite nail what it's like to really be on an LSD trip. They often will use, they talk about the different kind of fish eye angle that they use and how they make their voice go deeper to sound like they're inside. Oh, I'm hard, man. He said, no, that's not really what it's what it's like. They feel mm-hmm. like that doesn't really emulate the experience. They mentioned some movie that, that did a pretty good job of it. But but yeah, they've got just different stuff here. And there's some little funny bits here and there. Fear and loathing in Las Vegas, maybe? Yes, exactly. The okay. one that they mentioned with Johnny Depp. They said, yeah, they said he's because like the floor is kind of melting or something like that. And mm-hmm. they said that was pretty close. <laughs> yeah. But they talked about different people share the different experiences. But I found it very interesting that three of the people, well, at least two of the people for sure who were on there uh, since passed uh, since passed away. Wow. Uh, I was like, whoa. I, I was I was sh- when I saw the year it came out and I, I saw both of them because Carrie Fisher has a pretty elaborate part where they're talking to her. Oh yeah, she's she was deep in Hollywood, so I, she's I very she open. Got some good stories. Yeah, and it's just stuff that she was doing while she was still Princess Leia. It was it was very interesting. And then and then again, Andrew Anthony. I'm sorry, Anthony. Right, Bourdain. Yeah. Bourdain. Yeah, his his story was was very interesting again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, if you're interested, check it out. Yeah, he was like he would chop some stuff up in his meals. Little mushrooms, shrooms, shrooms. Not for me. Um, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> never say never. You never know. Might need to leave. Might need to leave. without actually leaving. Um, but anyhow, <laughs> hard times. Hard times out here. Um, let's get back to the show. Thanks for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about Natural Born Killers, the director's cut, 1994, directed by Oliver Stone. And let's jump into the synopsis. Two victims of traumatized childhoods become lovers and psychopathic serial murders, irresponsibly glorified by the mass media. Natural Born Killers. How did you watch this movie in the past, recently, and what do you think with the time in between? Well, before I jump into that, if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there will be spoilers. You've been forewarned. I first watched this, it, again, I'm positive it was sometime while in high school. Uh, it wasn't at the theaters. I'm positive that we rented it. So I probably saw it maybe 95, 96, 97, somewhere along those lines, maybe even 98. But mm-hmm. I know like, I saw it at home. It wasn't the director's cut at that time. But yeah, found it very fascinating, very interesting, right? The different styles of the camera work. You know, I'd seen Woody Harrelson in White Men Can't Jump, knew him from that, mm-hmm. and just found it super I found it very interesting and and, and, and unique and yeah, you know, violent at the time, but then it's like, oh, okay, kinda just moved on. I think I think I'd I don't know if I'd seen pulp fiction already or not but yeah the violent stuff never really bothered me all that much hmm. plus it was the watered down version how about that yeah that's a good point that's a good point uh but seeing it now yeah even seeing it now it doesn't seem as, as again all the fuss that was around it it's it's violent but it still it, it doesn't seem like uh like <laughs> okay you know i've seen i've seen worse than mm-hmm. what they're than what they're showing um yeah, it doesn't seem as 
maybe because it launched, you know, maybe, maybe it's a starting point for the kind of more violent stuff that, that would come after it. But it also, it's meant to be, you know, again, hyper, mm-hmm. hyper uh, reality, surreal and over mm-hmm. the top on purpose. So how about you, man? I, this was always in like an ether, like some of the other films uh, didn't. I remember like passing up this poster. Like I remember Woody Harrelson. When, I don't know when White Man King came out. Was that like early nineties, like ninety one or something? Yeah, um, definitely. Early I remember 90s. him in that, but with his bald head and these these glasses, I didn't recognize him. And so I would see this poster. I'm like, mm-hmm. why would I watch that? You fair know, enough. just based on the marketing. Yeah, you know? fair enough. Natural born killers. Nah, nah, fam, cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I would pass this film up. I mean, I would pass the movie up all the time. I had no reason in the world to watch it. But it wasn't until started studying filmmaking and then um, reading about Quentin Tarantino. I think the first director I studied was like Robert Rodriguez, Spike Lee. And then I was already familiar with Tarantino. So let me start reading, you know, looking through his stuff and understanding like the difference between, you know, the writer directors versus just the directors. Um, and then I found out that, you know, he this was one of his first screenplays. Okay. And then I was like, okay, why is this? You know, I started asking myself, like, why does. When I finally watched it, why does this one look different than it kind of has some of the same stuff of his, you know, as, as pulp fiction, but it's different. Um, and why, if, if he wrote the screenplay, why the hell is it different? You know, that you know, these are just things, you know, you don't know until, you, you know, you start doing the filmmaking thing. But you look at true romance and it's like, man, that's closer to like a vibe of Tarantino, but not quite. But um, but that one's a little bit more true. Um, but anyhow, I watched this one. It's had to been like 2000 and. Uh, ten learned a lot from Oliver Stone, but I was uh, yeah, I was surprised how gory it was. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I just remember all the controversy around it going into it, kind of just knowing to expect. All right, it's going to be something. But I, I mean, I had I had already seen I had seen JFK. I saw JFK when I was like in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some violence within within that to a degree, but yeah. Um, what I found interesting is that Tarantino's not mentioned at all. Uh, he oh, in the commentary, yeah, he and did he, like real quick. It was like real quick. He was like, yeah, and the, the original we were trying to do this differently, and Tarantino put it. In. Oh, I didn't. It was like it was quick, but it the story he didn't linger on that at all. It was like real quick. Yeah, I didn't even hear that when he mentioned that. <laughs> man, okay, well, you let me know because I'm yeah. like, man, I've I mean, behind the scenes stuff like nothing. I'm, so okay, Here's, one quick mention. I can do some trivia with that since we're already kind of on that. Sure. Tarantino wanted his name taken off uh, screenplay credit. And the reason being is that they had changed up so much from his his original screenplay that he was like, this I hate this movie. <laughs> not in that turn, not in that language. He was pissed. And, sure. you know, he was like, I hate this MFing movie. You know, take my he didn't even want credit for the screenplay because so they changed so much from the original thing. Like, come on, man. This is this is Hollywood. It is, but you know, when you're like a true artist, writer, you don't want your stuff messed with. And that's just kind of like his position on the situation. Because what, come on, man, this is this is Hollywood. You you come and do a business where stuff gets changed at multiple phases. What's written, what's shot, what's edited. So that's why he's got the story by credit. He wanted people to still see the original screenplay. So he fought to get publishing rights of the screenplay so that you can at least still get a 
uh, screenplay version of it that was their original screenplay. And people say it's actually a better screenplay than what this is because it doesn't focus so much on the violence, but it's kind of more focused on like the media sensation. So we find like the Robert Downey character and the uh, Tommy C- Tom Seasmore character a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And um, Mickey and Mallory are more like myths, like legends that you don't spend that much time with them. They're like just missing legend. Interesting. So, so, you know, so, so when you hear stories like that, you're like, Oh, okay. they went on the same page. <laughs> and you're talking about a young Quentin Tarantino who was all about the art and dying on the sword and being true to what the hell was on the page. Right. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. And he would have, I mean, cause this 94 is pulp also when pulp fiction came out. No, I uh, thought it would have been 96. You might want to check that one out to be to confirm. I thought that was more of like a 96. Prepare for the clack. Clack, clack. This might have been more, uh, that year might have been Reservoir Dogs. 94. Pulp Fiction was 94. 94. Mm-hmm. And then when the Reservoir Dogs come in, I wonder. That had to be like 92. Well, then, you know. So I would assume there'd at least be two years in between. Yeah. Come on there, lad. Come on. I need to find out the timeline to it. Did that make sense why he didn't want his name on the screenplay? <laughs> this was more like a, a a political situation, too. Yeah, Reservoir Dogs is 92. Tarantino had written Natural Born Killers, True Romance. Those were done, ready to rock and roll, and they were just floating around mm-hmm. Hollywood for years. And nobody really would take it seriously. And people were like, uh, when they read it, he would say that the readers of Hollywood were like, read it and be like, this is refreshing. But it would never go through because he didn't because readers were scared they would get fired if they would give them <laughs> to the higher ups. But once it finally got to the higher ups, it was easy to get his films greenlit. Hmm. So that one became Natural Born Killers. Was that True Romance sells, and then his own Pulp Fiction. You know, and see, it's fascinating though. Thinking about they both came out the same year, so he had that out. Stone's working on that. He goes to work on Pulp Fiction. They get them out. But in Pulp Fiction does does get the Oscar because because I, I wonder Not. if damn we got to probably do some research on it to to kind of understand did his screen these screenplays sell because of Reservoir Dogs and went into production right away because remember Reservoir Dogs standing in ovation like he became like the indie darling darling huh? yeah I mean it must have I mean. So like, but I don't know. I, I gotta go back and check out that. But hey, anybody out there, y'all can go, you know, do a little bit of research to see if they were capitalizing, trying to capitalize off Tarantino's like name because of what happened with Reservoir Dogs, him blowing up, getting Pulp Fiction greenlit real quick, getting it done, and then it's like, okay, now a screenplay by Tarantino is hot, hot. I, I'm, I'm gonna assume why, why not? <laughs> I mean, right? Because when you're hot, you're hot, right? And yeah. they, yeah, green light, green lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, he distanced himself from this movie. He said he didn't like it. Uh, but the true romance, he appreciated it more over time. He said that's more like, if I had an autobiography, that's that would be me. Fascinating. Okay. Are we doing more trivia or are we coming Tangent. back? Tangent. Or we come back to where we were. I was just like, since we brought up Tarantino, might as well just flow with it. Give him his dues. Yeah. So me watching it this time, I watched it with the wife this time. We're watching this. We just seen a lot of violent, real life violent stuff on the internet from the, all the riots and protests Oof. going on, and just regular life. So we've already been inundated with just graphic violence anyway, real graphic violence. So when we watched this, we were just like, uh, okay, <laughs> it yeah. was just the wrong time. The timing was off to to actually enjoy the film, and then she was like, "This is too much." It was. <laughs> About halfway in, she was like, I'm riding, I'm trying, you know, I'm riding with you on this one. But uh, she was like, I'm 
I've seen too much violence. <laughs> yeah, I, I, she was done. You know, she tapped out, and I, I, I kind of felt her. the same way. I was just like, "Yeah, I gotta finish this though." But yeah, same here, man. This this go around again. Normally, I'm like fantasy violence. You know, it's fantasy, it's fiction. Yeah, but when you've been when you've seen real real violence, you're like, oh, yeah, there, there's there's stuff going on right now, and uh, yeah, it made it tougher to. to in, yeah, to be entertained by. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel about slavery films. Mm. What did you think about, like, uh, the overall tone of the of the film? Uh, I felt it was surreal. Like, there's a surreal tone to everything and heightened reality. That everything is, like, is a, a frantic, yeah. you know, pace. I mean, it, it moves. There's, like, not really any, any, any lulls. It, just, it felt insane. Like there was an <laughs> insanity going on, you know, the constant cutting in of the demon and, and uh, the messaging. At the same time, it's also it's also very sensual, right? There's just mm. this element of, of 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 sex constantly hovering over, and then um, there's a feeling of just like just the violence being sensationalized. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, those are some of the tones that I took from it. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out: do I actually like it? Um, I don't know Fair if I actually enough. like the film. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't think so. Hmm. Like regardless who made it, Oliver Stone was like a genius, you know. Sure, you know a filmmaking genius in his own right. So, and he does plenty of research for everything he's on. I mean, we saw Any Given Sunday. You said you know JFK. All that. So he puts the work in uh, to deliver a style. But man, this one, just watching it without knowing anything about it, when it goes to all you know the the black and white to. Like it's wow, it looks like a real movie, you know. Once in thirty-five millimeter, then it goes back to this grainy crap, and then I'm like, "What the hell's going?" On? A little bit of animation yeah. worked it, in, yeah, some animation, which I'm cool with. But then it goes to um, like a sitcom style stuff, and I'm like, "Man, what the? What is this?" I've, I actually really, I actually like that aspect. I like the sit because that was like a married with mm-hmm. children, like straight up, like that's married true. with children. Especially like that's a very a 90s depraved, thing. depraved version. Yeah, well, I mean, married with children was already kind of controversial for what it was, yeah. but it's like to the nth level. It was and one it, of my favorite sitcoms, by the way. Oh yeah, and it made it, it made things extra awkward because it's straight up like mm-hmm. abuse and this and that, and with the laugh track happening underneath it, it's like, whoa, this is like it made it extra dark. It was dark. Uh, yeah. It was dark, but it it, wor- it it works though. Like whatever they're trying to pull uh-huh. off, I'm like man, that they were able to pull it works. off. But then going back, I'm just talking about like not knowing anything. Like I I can appreciate that sequence for what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then pulling out of that to like where are we at? You know, <laughs> I didn't I didn't really get it all the way when I first watched it. You sure. know, I was like ah, and then studying and listening to commentary, I was like okay, I see what you're trying to do. Mm. But I don't know if I enjoyed that. I don't know if I enjoy kind of getting pulled out of different genres like that. Uh, it's it's almost like, look at me, <laughs> look what I can do. <laughs> so, what's interesting? He told uh, in one of the features that I watched. He said he told his his crew like, take it as far as you can. Basically, mm-hmm. whatever you have that vision to do, like, go for it. And he was in a place where he again he even says in in, in one of the features he's like, you know, I was just like. He was coming out of a, a certain place. Yeah. And he was like, I was just like, F it. You know, this is my, we're going to do whatever we want to do. We got input from, yeah, they was like going for it. Some call this the most expensive student, student film, film ever, ever made. made. That that was a quote directly in the featurette. <laughs> okay, I think, okay. I think maybe one of his producers, uh, maybe it was him, but somebody yeah. actually like, uh-huh. like said that. It's um, got that vibe, it, like 100%. Like, yeah, it does. 
look at me look what i can do but uh but maybe it was just like his film to release you know what i mean it, and it it sucks if it's your material that that somebody's doing it to mm. you know because your vision and what you see is different yeah i don't know but um but as far as like tone when the film first opens up you open up black and white it's, it's black and white it's grainy it's on the snake then it cuts from that to somebody uh, pouring coffee, and that's in color. Then it cuts to a train moving, and the train is like tinted in like blood red, and yeah, it looks like blood. Um, and it has like creep. Wow, this these first in the first five seconds, that's what you see. And it's got this creepy music playing in the background while you're cutting through this stuff. These are the first shots. Uh, and it's got that Dutch angle. Yeah, on so, the a panning Dutch angle that goes from a TV that's showing like the Nixon, he said, like getting in, in, right. impeachment, uh-huh. and then you know across. To, I'm like, that's fascinating. One small thing that I noticed, mm-hmm. and I only noticed it because again, when I watched my commentary, I was put at the 1.5 speed. Uh. The WB logo at the very at the opening mm-hmm. when they show like the full blown WB logo, it shakes really. Yeah, and again, when you play it at regular speed, you don't notice. You know, it. We notice it, but when I would put it on one point five, it's it's wobbling, and I'm like, "Is it because it's older? What the hell is that all about? Is it because it's older and that, somebody's actually holding it? That thing never moves. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff, unless it's specifically animated, it where it's zoom is you know zooming in or zooming out or pen whatever. That this it just stays there solid. At what? most, at most, if it's an old film, you might see some artifacts, you know, in the yeah. film or something like that. But no, this thing is visibly. I'd almost, I'll, I'll tell you, it like visibly, it's like at a higher speed, it visibly is like wobbling. It's it's wild. I'm like, what what's that about? What if they have to slow it down so that you don't notice it? Like it's always been that way, but they slow it down at a different frame rate so you don't even notice it. I've done that in music videos. Like I'll take something and just cut it out and then. Well, how would it be moving in the first place, though? That would be my question. Is it an older WB logo? Let me show you. Okay. I gotta show you. <laughs> He's got to see it. Yeah. I don't think I can come up with is someone hit the camera and try to cover it up, or it's a bad transfer to the Blu-ray. But it's already old in the first place. Yeah, man. But anyway, that's just... I wondered about that. I'm like, is that something that's done on purpose to kind of begin to mess with your mind? Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Probably wouldn't doubt it. Um, where were we? Visuals. Okay. So yeah, so the tone that that whole opening, he says it was trying to give you like a sense of wackiness and surrealism, like as soon as possible. That was a goal to do it as soon as possible. So that kind of sets it up. I mean, it visually sets you up to like, okay, this is the ride we're on. Oh yeah. Introducing the green early on, which I didn't. I even noticed the how yeah. often the green shows up it's got yeah. the green king lime pie and the green lights on the jukebox yeah and just multiple times throughout green being introduced i'm like oh okay mm-hmm. um and obviously plenty of red and, and oh yeah blood and then i didn't notice initially the the guardian angel guy i didn't either man just like at the table and of course he shows up and he disappears mm-hmm. but now the, the 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 666 on the newspaper that he's reading and it's like Highway 666. Yeah, Highway 666. All the snakes. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even connect, like, you know, their rings. I noticed their rings had snakes on them, but then I didn't even think about when they get bit by the snakes. And it's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, they, that Guardian Angel, when the when Robert Downey's character, uh, the media reporter, 
is coming to the jail, he's like a janitor and just like cleaning. He is. You saw that? I, 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 yeah, you saw I noticed that? it during the replay of the commentary. Yeah, I'm during like, the replay. I saw him there. I'm like, there you are. <laughs> there you are. I see. Creepy, Creepy man. Yeah. Style. What did you think about the style of the, the joint? Again, I, th- I thought it was fascinating that they switched between 35 millimeter and 8 millimeter at different times. And 16 millimeter. And 16 millimeter, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then at times using the, the like, video, um, yeah. especially when That's they're right. in the jail, towards That's the right. end, they start, you know, switching to, to that. Uh, I like I like I like the the switches in between again. That's one thing that that was memorable to me, especially that that kind of uh, close towards the end when they mm-hmm. when they when they when they shoot Robert Downey's character. That, oh that, yeah, that upward angle. It gives um, it. It does make it feel more real when it because we're used to seeing TV. Yeah, in that way. That's I that that I do remember is him. You know, pleading. Oh no, that thought we you know you know we're friends. Yeah yeah. <laughs> No, all you're gonna do is you know our shotguns, yeah, 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 and like that. <laughs> I I remember that just him down. I'm like, oh man, I, I didn't really know who Robert Downey Jr. was at the time, but uh, yeah, I remember him just being taken out. So at that angle, yeah, the style that I saw was of course the different formats, but um, the Dutch angle it was like so much. He did the Dutch angle so much it was like almost the whole film was in Dutch angle. Felt like mm. handheld. It just was, if you're not feeling in a good mood, I wouldn't watch this film. Mm. Because that Dutch angle already makes you feel uneasy anyway. Sure. And, uh, yeah, too much going on. I would have liked to see the film if it was shot all in 35 millimeter, just because it looks so pretty. Like, the shots look beautiful, the ones that are shot in 35 millimeter. Yeah, I would be nervous at that, but uh, that'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be worthwhile for you to, like, revisit this I don't know. In, in less tense times. <laughs> because, I yeah. liked it the first time. I liked it the first time watching it. Um, that was in 2012, 13, 10, whatever. When I right. watched that DVD. Same DVD. I was like, okay, cool. Right. But yeah. now it's just like a different experience. This is a different experience now. Sure. I was just like, man, I'm not in the mood. Again. But I didn't know I was going not going to be in the mood until I watched it. Exactly. I was like, it's like maybe, you know, under less tense circumstances. Yeah. So it was too dark for these times because, uh, but you know, ironically enough, you know, our media is sensationalizing a lot of things. Yeah, they're spinning the truth on a lot of things. So it's like, and they're reporting and showing at people mur- getting murdered on TV. So like, it actually is still relevant. Very, very much so. Which is also can make it even more difficult when, yeah, can make it kind of just reinforce some of the craziness out there like man like this this is an extremely violent film and to think that elements of it are being echoed in reality is very scary even we're seeing it you know it's yeah like but the journalists are everybody now everybody's a journalist now so Mm -hmm. now we got a thousand different perspectives of the same event and again there's a whole feature where they talk about you know you Mm -hmm. know this would happen in modern day times and they talk about everybody now is paparazzi and yeah has the ability to uh, put put these stories out there, and if these two were alive in real life, what that would look like, and it's creepy, scary. Creep. Um, the directive point of view, um, which may be a little bit different from just just straight up style. It's some it seems like um, uh, um, Oliver Stone puts a lot of thought into why he does certain things and why he came up with the style that he came up with based on you know, his research and doing studying demonology. So he does a lot of research. So I, th- I think his point of view, 
I've kind of felt like cathartic. Am I using the right word? Is it cathartic? Is that the right word? I'm trying to work through something. Yeah, that's what I kind of feel like when he watching this film. He says it it's again. Like, you get it's like chance. his demons are in this film. That's what I feel like. If you get a chance to watch the featurette, mm-hmm. uh, the one that is called Chaos Rising, The Storm Around Natural Born Killers. Mm, okay. Get a chance to watch that featurette. It's worthwhile checking out because okay. they, they they interview all the main cast mm-hmm. and Oliver Stone and they're all, and even some of the producers, everybody's giving some pretty interesting, some very interesting insights mm-hmm. about the making of the film. Mm. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, yeah, uh, Juliet Lewis, mm-hmm. uh, Woody Harrelson, because it's like you know when he when he cast Woody, uh, he said he said the only thing that people that knew me for at the time was just Cheers and White Man Can't Jump. Yeah, and I was like, well, why do you want me? And and, and Oliver Stone was like, I could just. He said, there's violence in you. <laughs> I can I can I can see it. And, and, and when Woody says, I don't care, he says, he goes, I've I've got violence in my past. Dang. Uh, and then and then they cut to Oliver, and he's saying that how how he. I don't know if he knew it already or if he, he had to have found it out. I'm assuming after the fact, but he said that like, like Woody Harrelson's dad was apparently like a hitman who went to jail and yeah. Like I was like, what? You know, again, we could, it's easy to judge a book by its cover. You see Woody Harrelson. He seems like, Oh, this funny laid back guy and all that. But you hear him talking. It was like, he says he's done violent. I'm like, Whoa, what in the world? <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, and we, you know now we have this whole body of work from Woody Harrelson. We know he can go very extreme and hardcore. He could be nice. He could be funny. He can play. He's he's a he's charismatic and he can be likable, but can be a dirtbag too. Yeah, or yeah, he can do it. He could do it all, man. Like uh, he's played so many roles. He's one of the most consistent working actors in Hollywood. Yeah, like him and like John Goodman. Those dudes, whoever their agents are, are crushing it yeah because those guys are always working mm-hmm. anyway um but yeah they they when they anyway they talk about being on set and they were like it was they said it's one of the wildest sets that they'd ever been on rdj says it the wildest um, what made it wild just like the energy that oh, okay that oliver brings and like and he's like everything's like under a gun like all right we gotta go 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 get this done but he's still taking input and Timely Jones talks about you know humility and talks about how humil- how that's how humble Oliver Stone is because you know he's got this pedigree or whatever and, mm-hmm. and but he said he's like he's humble and he wants like input and but he really understands his actors too because he talks he talks about Juliet Lewis how mm-hmm. she is he goes her approach he goes I can tell she doesn't really like rehearsing for <laughs> her you know acting is like play and yeah. she even says he goes with me it's like it's like playing like mm-hmm. kids play and like kind of just just kind of really get inside their heads but also he's he, at times he says he's a provocateur mm-hmm. and he'll try to provoke things like with some of his his even some of his crew members and again very interesting it's it's worth it's worth checking out but he said it was it was strings. about them you know him him exercising some things and just having people just go and, and uh, Robert Downey Jr. says it was the most he said it was you know it was depraved and and and, and he, he he even mentioned the term like unethical at one point oh, but wow. he was saying the joking way he said but I have fond memories of it uh oh I was like what anyway but yeah they were it was apparently really really wild uh out there i can only imagine mm-hmm. hollywood mm-hmm. uh what, what did you think about the um just like the special fe- well you're talking about special features but the actual commentary what did you think about the actual commentary it's uh it's insightful you know he's hitting up some technical stuff and again he always he, he Goes into his motivations as far as why he's doing what he's doing. Again, he's, he's super knowledgeable. I mean, it's like he's 
He's like, you know, Fincher, where he just knows so much about so much. And it's, it's also interesting, you know, when you get like an older director, uh, like a Francis Ford Coppola, and, and where you know they got a book of stuff or Ridley Scott, you know, they're just in their craft, well into their craft and puts in the work. Themes, murder, sex, mayhem, fate, demon, and snakes. I kept seeing the trains coming through there. Yeah. So I was like, what's that about? Beginning of the film, then there was a train while Tom Seasmore character was killing the prostitute. Mm -hmm. You see the train again. But I'm trying to figure out what he was trying to say with the train going through. He mentioned at one point when the train showed up, maybe like the third or fourth time, like, it's like, there, there again is the train. What do you call? He called it. You referred to like, like the, the life penis or the something phallus. Oh, really? Like yeah, you made like a, a sexual like oh, a direct, really? like like kind of Didn't sexual um, connotation to it as far as like like something of life. You know, something dealing with 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 with, with life. Uh, just with that with that that train. So it had some kind of yeah. He was Arson's <laughs> doing the most. Um, you, you do have a theme of love. Did you mention love? I did not. Okay, because um, it's a love story at the end of the day. It really is. He rescues her. They fall in love. They kill together. They go to jail together. They leave jail together. They reunite. Boom. Yeah. Um, and they're both overcoming abuse. You know, they come from some terrible backgrounds that really have an effect on how they are in the world. Tropes. You got any tropes, man? Couple of trope, trope, tropes. Uh, killers fall in love. Boom. And uh, were they killers beforehand? It was a butcher. Yeah. Um, Did they say what got him in jail the first time? Remember she was Grand Theft Auto because he stole her dad's car. When they first went out, he stole her dad's car. I guess maybe their first kill was killing her dad. We assume that that was his first kill. Yeah, that's what I'm just assuming. Yeah. I guess they were in love before. (laughs) But they're still, I don't know. I think I I see them as like, how about just killers in love instead of fall in love? (laughs) Killers in love. (laughs) They're in love and they are killers. There you go. When, When they became killers in but they're killers in love. Yeah. And then uh, just, you know, just media sensationally, sensational, sensationalization. Sensationalism. Sensationalism. They're sensationalized by the media. Killers being sensationalized by the media. There we go. Just a classic trope is the Mexican standoff. And mm. Oliver Stone even talks about it being one of those cliches. Because in real life, him, you know, talking about Platoon and all the other that would never happen. There's not time for dialogue in real life. Yeah. <laughs> but the Mexican sound, so you can do the plot points and do your dialogue and then something happens. But in real life that you don't have that. Mm-hmm. That's the only one that I had the Mexican standoff in true trope form. <laughs> the prison riot. Mm-hmm. And the warden, the warden getting killed. Yeah. During the prison riot. Mm-hmm. Got to kill the warden. Yeah. Tom Lee Jones did a good job being the warden. He did, man. Hilarious. I forgot he was in this thing. When I saw him, I was like, oh, man, Tommy Lee. <laughs> that his, man, his wardrobe is wonderful. The pencil mustache. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed his performance. In his there. performance was great. Um, Robert Downey, I mean, uh, Dangerfield, Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, yeah, oh, man. God. Seeing him dark like that. Like, ooh. Yeah. I think I, I remember being surprised when I saw it. I was like, "That's Ronnie Dangerfield. He's a, he's an sob in this. Like, yeah, he's what? like beyond that. Yeah, pedophile, straight up. <laughs> I'm like, dude, Rodney goes dark. Yeah, real dark. He pulled it off too. Yeah, 
And again, all the more creepy it is with that laugh track. You know? oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that, that's, I think, was what really set people off and made them uncomfortable. The fact that it was being like, forced framed. to laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were programmed at that time, right? We yeah. were so many shows had laugh tracks to them. So when you see that automatically worked in, that messes with your head big time. Yeah, they're laughing, so I should be laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have any favorite scenes? Just when Tommy Lee uh, initially is in- introduced, when they open, go to the prison scene, just kind of his introduction, his his dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it. This scene, it was a montage scene. It's when uh, Mallory, who's being played by Juliet Lewis, she leaves because her and Mickey get into a fight because, you know, they're trying sex and stuff. And they have a, like a kidnapped girl in the corner. Yeah, that reveal is like, what? It was like, how... <laughs> What is that about? That's crazy. So they have a kidnapped girl in the corner, uh, young lady, and then uh, he's looking at her while they're doing their thing, and then she gets like upset. He's like, I thought she could join us, and then she's like, "Keep in mind, she's been a sexually abused woman from mm-hmm. her father, so anything weird with sex is going to be a trigger." And so you know, she uh, leaves, and it's like a montage of like this Indian, strange Indian music and. Her kind of going, flashing back to, you know, she killed her dad and all this other stuff. Like, man, this is kind of, it's dark. It's a dark scene, but it's, uh, it makes you kind of, I don't know, reflect. It, maybe it was the music more in that scene in that montage to make mm-hmm. it, it makes it eerie. And even show, once she gets to the gas station and, and she lets the, the car mechanic begin to make out with her, just the flashes of images that she has, you know, images yeah. of her dad and images of Mickey, like just like kind of like the confusion, the psychosis that's going on there, the complicated uh, mm-hmm. feelings around sex, you know, it's kind of on display until it pushes her to that point where it's like pleasure or pain. And then she just retaliates and ends up just, just, you know, killing the guy. It's like bullets to the face. Yeah. It's a, uh, uh, something else. Quotes. Do you believe in fight? Uh, Mickey says that to uh, when they first, they first meet, you believe mm-hmm. in fight. <laughs> Speaking about the scene that she shot, old boy, um, Mallory shot the guy that was they were have, trying to have sex on top of the car and then she was after she shoots him she's like that's the worst head I ever got in my life quit being so, so eager. eager yeah <laughs> I'm like ooh man okay. died over it son your technique is wrong uh, yeah like, now wow. you're done you're done son you're done you ain't seen nothing yet oh yeah that's right yeah that was that was like a classic line from mm-hmm. from that was that was, a, that was a, that probably was in the trailers probably I didn't even see the trailer I didn't remember yeah, I'm positive that would have been in the trailer. That's yeah, that was one of those. Um, my only quote that I have uh, was from Mickey, and he's writing a letter to Mallory, and he said, "I was doing yoga with this guy, but he pissed me off. He's not around anymore. <laughs> I was, he ain't around no more." <laughs> uh, I got another quote also from Mickey. Uh, We're not even the same species. Yeah, he's talking to uh, to RDJ's character. Like wow, just you know, talking about his evolution. It's that ego, megalomaniac aspect of things. You know, mm-hmm. um, hearing the commentary, it does it does make me kind of because he mentions Geraldo Her- uh, Rivera interviewing <laughs> yeah. Manson, which I didn't even know that. Yeah, Geraldo was one I interviewed him. I knew there mm-hmm. were interviews that took place at some point. Yeah, but it kind of makes me curious to like want to see part of that. Kinda, kind of, kind of part of me is like, yeah, I don't know. It's dark. Let the devil in. Yeah. Uh, the the crazy part is like how like much sense sometimes they 
kind of sound like like just they sound pretty smart and uh, get a point. That's how they pull people in. Yeah, half truths. Yeah, half truths. All you need is a half truth. <laughs> the whole truth, just a half truth. Just a little bit. Um. So after after uh, Mallory finally assaults um, the officer, uh, the what's the lead detective who's who's been after her. Oh, Tom sees more, but I don't know his actual character's name. His name is Scagnetti. Okay. And she says to him, after she pummels him, and she she literally broke his nose in real life. Really? Yeah. When she slams him against the wall, she really broke his nose. In the featurette, they, they highlight that. Dang. Yeah. She broke his nose, and he was like, he was telling Oliver, I think I need to go and get stitched, and he's like, no, I mean we got to finish shooting this, man. We can't. You, you said if you ain't dying, you know we, we, we you know we got to kind of go finish going through it. And he says, he goes, I actually says, 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 I actually appreciate that. I actually appreciate that kind of. He's like, there's something about the way he stone directs. Like you want to go further, you know, you want you want to get and nail that take for him. Yeah. But the funny thing is that before they shot the scene, when it started, he's he's like he says like he's, he's supposed to say to her character like you know wakey wakey. Mm-hmm. And initially, when they do the scene, like he says that in like nothing, so he kind of walks walks back, and I was like, you know, what are you doing? You don't, you know, I didn't say cup. You don't stop the scene. He's like, she's asleep. He goes, I know she's asleep. That's how the scene starts. He goes, no, she's really asleep, and she was like out, like Dang. literally asleep. So they they let her go back to her trailer and like. And who? And this bit. was Julia in the scene with the prison scene when yeah. they. Oh yeah, and so tired. Yeah, I guess whatever. I maybe I guess the people sleep being tired. <laughs> or you know, who knows what was going on, right? It yeah. was a crazy set. So, but they let her rest <laughs> up, and then they brought her back. And so, and so, so when when the, when the scene happens and she breaks his nose, and he's like, "Oh, I need to go you know, get stitched." She's like, "No, we got to keep filming." She's awake, you know. <laughs> we got to keep. We got to keep going. We got to keep filming. Dang. So yeah, I thought that was crazy. You know, it was, it was fascinating though. But that uh, that happened. Now, so yeah, you still like me now, Jack? Wow. Um, I don't have any more quotes. Another uh, quote was a uh, love beats the demon. Right. That can almost seem like a, ah, a okay. thing. Gets thrown yeah. out there a couple of times. And then, um, oh, there's uh Mickey's character mm-hmm. talking about that's the only way you can beat that demon with love. Yeah. And again, um, RDJ's character calls that to him at the end, you know, he's trying to convince his way. Yeah. Trying to yeah. wiggle his way out of this one. And so, but also, uh, uh, Mickey says to him, you know, you're, you're, you know, a piece of whatever. You know, nobody mm-hmm. nobody cares about you. And then he says, "That's why helicopters were were, were not deployed." <laughs> deployed. <laughs> got a point there. Yeah. That's all I got for quotes. Yeah, uh, trivia. They shot in fifty six days, um, but the edit took eleven months. Whoa. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, there was over three thousand cuts. Then also, this was like NC-17. They had rated NC-17, and they had to do, I think, over 150 cuts in order to chop it down to pass for rated R. For the ratings board, yeah. They mentioned that scene where uh, Woody Harrelson is with the hostage, the kidnapped girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he says in, in the in the behind the scenes, he was like, he was like, because I guess in the in the regular cut maybe that's not shown like him mm-hmm. like have, even even in the director's cut it's really quick like mm-hmm. he said he said he goes oh man he goes that he goes that he goes I hope I hope they didn't you know you know I'm glad they didn't use really using that because that got wild wow he said he said that yeah I, I missed he, him he said, saying he, that he said and then he's like somebody I guess told me it was in the director's cut he said oh was it something that's in the director's cut he's like, oh, oh okay <laughs> but, but yeah but again it was super quick what they show there is is 
pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think there's a uh, with the ratings board. It's uh, when you're adding violence and sexuality together, mm-hmm. sadomasochistic stuff. That uh, they got big problems with that. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, that I, I wrote that down specifically. Mm-hmm. Like if you're dealing with the ratings board and you got stuff that had sex and violence, that's going to be problematic. And if you like, kind of go through the history of just the ratings and throughout the years and how these things came about, there was a genre of film where women were just getting beat up. Mm. <laughs> that, yeah. Like that, that was just a genre of it was sex, it was exploitative, and they were just beating up women, and that was just a part of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, God knows we've seen our share of you know, in the rape, rape, revenge films, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I spit on your graves, and that's what gets, gets dark. I think it's very, very dark. All right. Uh, <laughs> next bit of trivia. <laughs> um, the devil's in this movie. They literally have flashes, you know. Yeah. Of the demon. <laughs> literally in the movie. Literally. I don't know why I put that as a bit of trivia. But so uh, Oliver Stone mentioned that Scagnetti, uh, the Scagnetti character is, is playing the uh, the proverbial policeman that, that gains power over their prey. I don't know why I put that as trivia, but... I thought that was an interesting piece of trivia. Um, while this was out, uh, the hopeful, wait, presidential hopeful Senator Bob Dole signed out that Natural Born Killers is a nightmare of depravity in a crusade against Hollywood's cultural contamination. It later came out that Dole had not seen the film. They talk about that also in the featurette. They said, you know, if you're going to say something, you got you got to have seen something first. And even Tommy Lee says something. The people that do that. Not very smart. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, they actually sewed the mouth of the snake together to allow the uh, the gentleman who was playing the uh, Native American to be able to handle it and handle it with confidence. And that actor also learned uh, Navajo for mm-hmm. the role. Shout out to my Navajo folks. Yeah. Why are you looking up your next? Uh, Dr. Dre and Trent Reznor both composed songs for the movie. Really? Mm-hmm. Oliver Stone wrote Scarface. Oh, that's the connection. There it is. There it is. I knew it wasn't tripping. Ah. And it makes sense that he has it in this film, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause of the, um, so visually speaking, even when they use the... Um, what's the term? They're not, I guess they're technically kind of like backdrops, but they're, like, they're, they're, they're visual backdrops. Mm-hmm. And that was... You know, those backlit screens, that was done in real time. They had that rear screen projection happening mm-hmm. and having to time it right yeah. with the scenes. That's all, yeah, that is there. Mm-hmm. Um, time for filmmaker tips. The only thing I have is uh, he, has a, he, he talked about a technique. So this is about techniques. Uh, it's called vertical cutting. And he calls it vertical cutting. So basically you have a scene, for example, at the very beginning of the film, they're in the diner. You see Mickey and Mallory are at the diner waiting on the waitress to come give them some food. She asks Mickey what he wants. She's kind of smiling and this is in color. But then in the next cut, it's black and white. And how she feels on the inside is being expressed visually. So she's like coming on to him even more when it's in black and white. That only lasts for about a second and it cuts back to color. So she's coming on to him, but it's real subtle. But when he cuts to the black and white version, it's like more heightened and more obvious. And he calls it vertical cutting. So maybe in your filmmaking, you can use this technique. I've never used this technique in any of my editing, but maybe, hey, 
try it try some things and to go out there and to express like on the head like like literally on top of the head cutting along with like the subtle so you can express like two thoughts at the same time yeah subtext yeah subtext uh, yeah yeah huh. cool um if you're gonna use a real prison in a movie you gotta take precautions mm-hmm. the the actual was it occupied yeah they were they were shooting with real prisoners and the prison that they were at that's a prison that in order to be sentenced there you had to have double life sentences oh dear god so they were in there with real killers wow uh, real murderers and and the murders were extras yeah those were real extras in the movie uh, this is the, the the that white guy who's kind of just smiling, uh, yeah. At the uh, at, in uh, one of the first scenes in the prison, right? And then Tommy Lee comes out and he puts the nose clamp on the on the black guy's nose. Mm-hmm. That that the black guy, he's an actual actor. Mm-hmm. He's an actual actor. But that white guy, he was like in there for like I think murdering his wife and maybe his kids, something like that. Like yeah. he he had done some crazy stuff. But yeah, real killers, real murderers, and they shot there. I mean, multiple days. And, you know, like any given time, you know, you something could happen. So, uh, again, you in a real you're in a real prison, and then you actually have a riot scene that takes place. <laughs> what? So I'm not you, a fan. It could have been bad. They said that, like after the fact, they said this that we were we we're we we're still surprised they let us shoot there. It really is insane that they did. <laughs> it's insane that they did. That is silly. That's yeah. silly. Yeah. And unsmart. No, but they pulled yeah. it off some I mean, kind of yes, way. Yes, that isn't smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Yes, that isn't smart. <laughs> yeah, man. He but he it, he pulled it. They off. made it work. They got lucky. Oh man. Oh man. I, I knew I felt a little bit of more energy from the scene. I'm like these guys are really into it <laughs> because they're really in the prison. Yeah. They're really into it. They got nowhere to go. They're really aggressive. Yeah, they got nowhere to go. And that may you talk about cathartic. Yeah. You know, they get a chance to do a let's kill the warden scene. And, oh, man. Yeah. That's a riot scene. Man. And if they have to do that, say, over multiple days. I bet they had a blast, though. Yeah, exactly. Like, that may have been, like, the time of their lives. Ironically. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> you got any more tips? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> you, um, he, uh, uh, Oliver Stone talks about. Um, he always has like a con, not always, but in this particular one, he had a conflict between his gut going with a certain way of shooting um, a certain scene and going with his head. And in, in this situation, he went with a more practical way of shooting the scene. And he, in retrospect, he felt like he should have went with his gut. And, because he shot, it was a shot in the desert when they uh, were looking for the uh, the Indian. When the Indian found them, Native mm. American Native American found them. Um, originally, it was a different scene. He found them and led them to the uh, location. That, right. Well, I don't know what kind of what kind of the shack, shack, that little shack shelter yeah. or whatever it was, but it looked kind of like a teepee, but it was wood. I don't know. Um, anyhow, it, that was what it was really supposed to happen, but actually they just end up just walking into there. But, uh, he said he should have, he should have went with his gut into his head. So just know that sometimes you'll be debating what is the logical way versus how you feel it should be. Indeed. Um, 
Sometimes you need to imitate reality. So once again, the interview between Robert Downey Jr.'s character and Woody Harrelson is is loosely based off the interviews um, of Charles Manson uh, conducted by Geraldo Rivera. I don't have any more filmmaker tips. I only had two. All right, a couple quick ones. Uh, the scenes serve the characters and the characters serve the narrative. So there's an actual deleted scene mm-hmm. of of Mickey, Mickey and Mallory on trial. Uh, and Mickey is actually defending them. And they've, they've, it, it's a long, it's a long deleted scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember the two brothers, the two like muscle bound brothers used to be in a lot of movies in the eighties? <laughs> what movie was they in? None that I would remember the name of offhand. <laughs> but when you see them, you're like, oh, those two. But yeah. there were two brothers. Yeah. Uh, Muscle tanned bound. up, and they were and they were just buff guys. Yeah. You know, just they were in just B be, movies. Yeah, you know? okay, okay. But they have they had a scene in here, and they were okay. being interviewed by RDJ's character, and mm-hmm. they had apparently each had a leg cut off during some incident where Mickey and Mallory had, had they were killing people in this place, and they they happened to notice them, and Mickey uh, Mallory's like, "Hey, it's the so and so brothers." And Mickey look, look and they're both respectively one's upstairs one's downstairs and these yeah. two are both cutting off one of their legs and like we're your biggest fans yeah, and whatever so these guys are recounting whatever tale well anyway they cut to the court and eventually like Mickey ends up like stabbing one of the survivors um, how they let him get that close and he's holding one of the exhibit weapons that you know, you're saying I use this to do this and yada 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 uh, but he ended up taking that scene out because he felt uh, it would have happened. It well, it, it, it was part of the trial. It was part of the, uh, the trial like, mm-hmm. leading up to them being put in jail. Mm-hmm. And, but he said he felt they had turned a corner from after getting bit with the snake, and that would have been a betrayal of the of the character arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the that that snake bite or that wisdom that comes upon them begins to change them okay. uh, towards the latter part. So uh, again, the scenes are there to serve the characters. The characters are there to serve the narrative. One thing I didn't like hmm. is when no black folks until you went to jail, and that's when we see the black folks. And then too, I didn't like Oliver Stone talking about rock and roll nigger. Oh, it's an I, actual song, and he just says it so like freely, like really Oliver Stone. That's what I, had, doing? I had to research that. I once he said it, I was like, wait, what did he say? <laughs> you what? heard me. You heard me. What he said it say? twice. He said it twice in the he commentary. Did. He did. So I had to stop and look it up yeah. to see what it was. So it, it's a song that came out. It's. Um, by a woman who was like in 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 London and and so at the time with rock and with rock and roll at times it was you know sometimes again we in our documentary we specifically have a guy you know but people were referring to rock and roll as as quote unquote nigger music things of that jungle nature jungle music jungle music <laughs> um, but when this particular artist when she created the song uh, when she used the she was using the term nigger. Mm-hmm. Not in the racial sense, but in terms of the sense of somebody that was relating, like like a white person that was relating to aspects of of culture that were different from the 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 norms of white people at that time, kind of mm-hmm. like as an outcast kind of you know mm. punk kind of way. And she even even in an interview she said that you know you know she said you know Mick Jagger. She she said if anybody's a, a nigger, Mick Jagger. Is is a nigger. He's very compassionate and he's got he's got soul and it's not. It's like, 
as a black person, I'm like, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? But <laughs> but I'm trying to keep perspective in terms of what she's right, saying. Right, because it's just a different perspective from a different part of the world. Where exactly. We're, we're just immersing. It's like, what did you, you just say? Exactly. It's like a trigger. But for her, she was like, from, from anyway, she said she, she, and she was very frank. And the way she talks, she's so frank. It's like, okay, kind of has a, it feels like an element of, of, of being genuine uh, with mm-hmm. the way that she says it because she's so frank about it. But the the song didn't get, never got any mainstream uh, <laughs> play because of the, the title. Um, I wonder why they don't like it. Yeah. And apparently it's been remade. Manson, Marilyn Manson. Of course he did. Remade the song. Because he said, he said, you know, I'd be the only one who was bold enough to to remake it. He goes, but also, again, not because, you know, the racially charged aspect of it, but what it, but what it means. You know, again, it, it, it's something within the lyrics mm-hmm. that it's about, like, thinking for yourself, being yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but that's the name of it, rock and roll, nigger. But yeah, he does say it rather casually. But again, he's just referring to the song, so I'm like... Ah, I don't know Oliver Stone. <laughs> I, I think he's using that as a gateway to say it, mm. and I don't like that, mm. especially being an American. Now, it's a trigger. I, I, don't, I don't care what... You, no matter what. Again, I, I always think about that uh, <laughs> David Allen Greer had a short-lived, very short-lived show mm-hmm. on uh, Comedy Central. And in the first episode, like there's a skit where, like they decide to like kind of settle on what 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 uh, racial slurs are, are 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 possible between black and white people are possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like just kind of like, well, let's go ahead and settle this. And so like, you know, he tells you know the the white, okay, you can you know, you you know, we can say this 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 and this. Like I was like, oh, okay, all right. And said and and, and he said, well, then 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 all we'll take is. And he says, you know, he says the <laughs> N word, and like, like, and David Allen Green's dressed in a suit and everything, and he like, he's like, "What you say?" And like, and they had already kind of pre-agreed on this. And they said, "What you say?" Like, you know, they kind of you break out into a fake fight or whatever. But it's like, no matter what, like that word yeah. just triggers. For real. So for our listeners out there, if, oh, uh, well, there you go. Yeah, it's uh, if you're of the Caucasian persuasion. Don't test the waters with it. Don't 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 try to find a situation where you think it's it's safe to test it out with your black friends. It's we know you say it amongst yourselves. It's never it's never a good time. <laughs> never never a good time. Even if someone says, "Oh yeah, it's okay," behind they're like, "I can't believe they haven't said that." It's oh, I still trip out because um, in Dallas we have a lot of Hispanic population. They've taken on the word and use it amongst themselves. Oh man, for and real. I, I, I still get tripped out when I hear them saying it to to each other. Mm-hmm. I was like, leave me out of it. You know, don't tell. You can talk. You can use it amongst yourselves. Just leave me out of the situation. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm in, I'm in the high school, so I, I hear it. <laughs> I hear it all the time. Yeah. Right. Um, but I don't know. I forget. I was, I was at the I was at the mall like last year or maybe it's two years ago, and there's a group of white kids walking by, and one of the girls is, as you know, she was talking amongst her friends, like you know, it wasn't. Paying in mind, she goes, "Oh yeah, you know, I got, I got my, my side nigga on." I was like, I was like, I almost like stopped and said, "What your side?" I'm like, <laughs> I was like, "What the?" And she said, "Just so casual." I got my side nigga. I'm like, "Rap." And that's the thing. Like, I've been in classrooms and listened to, you know, young brothers like every other word saying the n word while you know talking amongst themselves. I'm like, man, these these white kids hear this. Every day they hear the N word like every day, multiple times. But 
<laughs> it doesn't. Don't 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 test the waters. That, <laughs> you might kiss the wrong person on the wrong day. Oh, yeah. it's not. No, don't do it. It's never. Fun. It's never. It's never. But and and I can say at least in Dallas, DFW, the Latino community has taken on that, and other black folks have allowed it to to be. So, well, again, they they, they are for sure using in that in that in that context of you know. Mm-hmm. I'm just like person, leave me out of it, man. I I it's so rare that I use the word. So when somebody uses at me, I'm like, why would you? Why would you say that? You've never heard you. You have never heard me say that. So why would you use that towards me? You know, like now, nah, leave nah, me out of it. Yeah. Another tip. <laughs> a that's, life tip. That's a life tip. <laughs> um, we already covered the MPPAA thing. Um, mm, films teach us how to behave. So, in terms of making the film, you know, the things that we portray, it we we react to situations. We joke in certain ways. We communicate with each other in certain ways based off things that we've seen in movies. Mm. You see it big time initially, like in kids. Like mm-hmm. kids will sometimes talk in certain ways. Well, and then, and then, uh, and, um, and this, and that, and yo, 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 And they're taking it right off stuff they've seen from characters in yeah, cartoons and whatnot. True. And they'll, the cadence and all that, so the, the inflections. They're taking it directly off whether they've seen Elmo on Sesame Street or whether it's, you know, Elsa in, in, in Frozen. They're taking directly from that. But then we do the same thing, stuff that we see. We, we hear a comedian deliver something a certain way. We watch a movie, get a certain line that becomes an inside joke. And then we find ourselves da 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 Like just rhythm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We, we take it Can't. in. So be still aware of that as you are creating. You know, you might be creating the next thing. Um, that becomes ingrained and ingratiated into society. Um, and yeah, sometimes we got to push the envelope and be provocateurs. You know, phrases that become old and, and, and dated at one time were new and fresh. Mm. And some things just stick around. You know, like the word cool. Yeah. At some point in time, even when you're little, the word cool is new to you. But you don't realize that it's been used since, I don't know, 20s, 30s? It's mm-hmm. been around a long it's been a time. While. I think it's been around for a minute. Yeah, it has been around for a while. I was like, what? I thought cool was just around when I was a kid. Now that it was, you know, new. And you come to find out, I'm like, oh, cool's been around for a long, long time. That's cool, man. Tubular. It's cool, cat daddy. I can dig (laughs) it. Salty. Salty is an old word. Like, it's like, I'm talking like 1800s. Oh, how about that? Yeah. I found some some I don't know something I was listening to on Spotify, and it mentioned mm-hmm. oh so so got salty with him. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> this is a this is a old classic piece There's of literature. Nothing new under the sun, ladies and gentlemen. Say, nothing new under the sun for sure. There's nothing you could do that somebody's already thought of and actually done it. Yeah. <laughs> How about that tip? That's a life tip. Life tip. We want to let you know that this episode of Filmmaker Commentary was sponsored by Natural Hair the Movie by Grind Over Matter Films, available for purchase and rent on Amazon Prime Video Services as well as Vimeo On Demand. Please 
watch and leave a review. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash filmmaker commentary. You can also like, subscribe, and please leave a five-star rating. You can also find us on SoundCloud and Stitcher Radio, as well as on Twitter. If you wish to follow Reginald Titus, you can do so on Twitter at Reggie Titus and on Instagram at Reginald Titus Jr. That's J-R. You can also find us on Instagram simply at Filmmaker Commentary. If there's a film you would like us to check out, number one, please make sure it has commentary. And uh, yeah, let us know. Also, let us know your thoughts. Uh, We appreciate you all as our listeners. We would love to hear from you uh, on any of the social media feeds. And last, you can find me simply at KCGSmith32 on both Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, peace. Respect.